Hi there, I'm Kelly and this is Crayley and welcome to a very special multiverse fundraiser episode of Gilmore Sisters. For tonight's event, you get to see our faces. You're welcome, hopefully. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Emily Gilmore's many charitable pursuits, which ties into the theme of this weekend. But first, enjoy our theme song. La 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 Gilmore Sisters. Gilmore Sisters is a Phoenix Sisters cosplay production and is hosted by the Serial Box Network. And also, I want to talk about the reason we're here today. So I'm going to run a little video with our message. And this is what we do. I, we do this every day. On Christmas Day, I was getting emails from hospitals. On Christmas Day, I was responding. Sickness doesn't take a break. We are there for the hospitals. We are there for the kids. Um, we will do whatever we can do. And I, as I look and talk to you, and I, I talk to all the people who are watching this, be a part of this. You, however you want to be a part of this, be a part of it. If you can send us five dollars, send us five dollars. Send us five comic books, a Funko Pop, a toy, a children's book. Send it to us. However you want to be, make a difference. Make a difference because we're all in this together. And here's the cool news: nobody knows who I am, and here's why. When we give these materials to the hospitals, the hospitals give it to the kids and the parents. Comic book for kids and my name never shows up. When this stuff goes to the military, when my comic shops send the pallets, my name is never there. And that's great. That's all right. Because it's not, as I said, about us. It's not about promoting who we are. It's about all of us together in the industry making a difference for so many. For so many. And that's what we're about, Kelly. And that's what we do every single day of the year. So Mark Weiss said it better than we ever could. That's why we're here. That's why we're raising money. It's for kids who really, really need those smiles. They need that hope. They need that message. And just to pivot, we're going to talk about the great humanitarian, Emily Gilmore. Let's go. Well, first, I want to say for people who aren't looking at your screen right now to donate to Comic Books for Kids, if it's before February 2nd, just pop onto facebook.com slash multiverse fun raiser, F-U-N raiser. Um, if it's after February 2nd, you can still donate. Just go to comicbooksforkids.org. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Somebody's got to remember the, the, the people who are only only halfway listening, only halfway watching, participating, whatever. True, true. Those ADHD multitaskers or those people who are tuning in after this airs on Spotify or your listening um, podcasting um, platform of choice. I can't talk tonight, but we love you all. If you're tuning in over there, we love you. You're tuning in here. We love you. So just spreading the love tonight. Speaking so of spreading the, the love, I mean, so the question, awesome. the question we've got right now, 
that I think some fans have had is there's no question that Emily does tons of charitable work. Most of it through the Daughters of the American Revolution. But you have to wonder whenever you look at the way the Gilmores live their lives, is she doing this because she cares about charity or is she doing this because she cares about her and her family's image? And Kelly and I are going to, we're going to discuss that. Going to parse it out. So her job as a wife is definitely to uphold the family status in society. It's, it is to keep the family's image. So part of her job as a stay-at-home wife is to participate in the charities. And she takes that job seriously. She takes everything she does seriously, okay? She doesn't do things halfway. And I can relate to her, and you can relate to her. We don't know how to do things halfway, but unfortunately, we don't have super-duper rich husbands who can support us while we uh, can stay at home and just basically run ourselves ragged because Emily doesn't rest. She does not sit around and get her nails done. Like, yes, she gets her nails done because it's part of her image, but she doesn't sit around and like get herself pampered and not do anything, even though, yeah, she has maids and all that. She's working her butt off. So. And I think that a lot of the reason she does so much of it with charity, that that's one of the major routes she chooses to do that image doctoring. It's a part of her job is because she cares about these things. So first of all, my primary, like main source of evidence for this is the way she talks to Richard about the specific events she's doing. So there are no illusions between her and Richard. I don't know if all of you remember, but there's, um, an episode where Lorelai decides not to go on a second date with Emily's friend's son. And Richard calls and is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go to golf with his father. We're going to figure it out. You need to go on that second date. And Lorelai's like, why does it matter? And Richard is like, okay. So at this event one time, this person, you know, this person, and then this person, and then this person each got their tea served in a certain order which is another one of those like status symbol, whatever things. And he knows how it works. And he even admits that to him, it is crazy that it should matter who gets their tea poured first. But right now, Emily gets the first cup of tea and it matters to her that she gets the first cup of tea. So, uh, you know, Lorelai better not do anything to jeopardize his wife getting the first cup of tea. All right. So because no it matters to Emily. So it matters to him, which makes him a good husband in that respect. Like, good for Richard. That's true, too. But there are there are just no illusions between Richard and Emily as to why Emily does the things she does and to the fact that Emily cares about her image. He obviously knows that because he knows how much she cares about getting served the first cup of tea. There are other examples, but for me, that's the most poignant one. Yes. So, Whenever they're about to go to a charity event and Richard is grumbling about how he's busy or tired or would want to skip it or asking, you know, what are we going to go do anyway? Why is it important? She rambles off immediately, never any hesitation, knows exactly what the charity is, what the stakes are, what the money is going to be used for. And it pushes him to go. And one of the reasons she brings, she doesn't say, oh, well, so-and-so would judge me if I wasn't there or, oh, it wouldn't look right. right. She'll say, 
it's an incredibly rare flower. Yes, we're we're do, going to a fundraiser tonight for the such and such type of pansy because it's an incredibly rare flower that is rapidly disappearing from the face of this earth and we want to do something about it. Like. Which she wastes a lot of money. You know, we're, we're, we're definitely going to say like, yes, she wastes a lot of money. She is frivolous, but she also does a lot of good with her time and money. And she does care. Look at, okay, so. The ballerina thing was creepy as hell. Okay. The adopt a ballerina where they <laughs> adopt them based on their appearances and they can train them and turn them back in and stuff. So creepy. The foster a ballerina program was creepy. Also, who thought of the idea? Okay, so like sponsoring a ballerina, fine. But why would you send them to the rich people's houses? I'm sorry. I know I'm going off on a tangent. But the thing is, she actually did care about the ballerinas that she adopted, even though, like, the one she was like, okay, she was getting annoying, so I sent her back. Like, who came up with this idea? Who thought that was a good money set? Why would the ballerinas want to hang around at random people's houses? Why would the random people go, like, okay, I paid my money. I want to hang out with these random ballerinas. No, they pay their money. They, they should get free tickets to the show. Right, not that was a mess. Whoever was in charge of that, that was their first year doing that. A hundred percent. Sorry, but that... you're you're you are right that like even within the confines of her being like, well, you know, she annoyed me, so I sent her away. Up until then, it's like she calls Lorelai, hey, can she have this magic eight ball? Can I let her have it? And whenever Mikhail, the guy that she replaces the first girl with. Um, is really upset about the Stalin joke. She cares a lot about how mm -hmm. that was a really hurtful comment to him. Um, and yeah. she was trying to learn a teeny bit of Russian for him and make sure that he could understand the conversation that was going on whenever Lorelai is sitting there talking about the magazine article in front of him and how reading the article would help him learn better English because he wants to learn, like... She doesn't do anything halfway, like we said right at the beginning. <laughs> it was incredibly kind. But again, thought of that idea that they should be fired. Mm -hmm. They should never, ever be allowed to work in charity again. Because that, also, how, how many people had to sign off on that idea? I have so many questions. None of them How did that get answered. approved? How did that get approved? I love Lorelai's commentary on that because she's like, I, I kind of think that's like slavery and it's illegal. It's creepy. Lorelai was right. Lorelai. Yeah. But she but she did care. She cared. Emily's so Emily is portrayed as cold and unfeeling by some people, but Emily's problem is that she cares too much. She is a bleeding heart. She wears her heart on her sleeve in a lot of ways. Like, she's blunt. Don't get me wrong. She's blunt. Mm -hmm. She's not tactful. But she cares so damn much. She cared so much when Lorelai left. She cared so much for Rory. Like, she cares. She cares, she cares, she cares. She does care how people sees, see her. But she also, you know... She cares. She cares a lot. And yeah, there are other ways that she could have thrown her status around and done image doctoring 
like there were plenty of other social functions uh, there were plenty of other things that she could have done with her time i mean she plays recreational sports and a bunch of things like that but where yeah. the majority of her time is spent is on her charity stuff i mean the time she spends with the daughters of the american revolution she didn't have to treat that like a full-time job she could have shown up enough to enough events uh, you know, put her name on one or two things and then also spent a lot of time doctoring her image down at the country club. Or been like freaking Shira Huntsberger where she just waltzes in when the event is cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but let's talk about the DAR because until today, I wasn't sure if it was real. So I had to, I finally looked it up for today. I did my homework y'all at the last minute. So, you know, I'm not really going to pat myself on the back, but I am. Um, the DR is a real organization. They do require that you, um, if you want to pop the. I'm, I'm on it. Yes. Um, so they do require that you prove some sort of ancestry link to a member of the American Revolution. I don't, I didn't really look too far into. So yeah, I didn't, I, I have to ask my homework. Okay. Let, let's be real. I did not. <laughs> um I loganed it. I loganed it. But um yeah, you have to you have to prove that, that you have some sort of ancestry, but they do a lot of charity work. And they do exist, which is yeah. It's so interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, Go no, ahead. the way they the way they say it here is that DAR members come from a variety of backgrounds and interests, but all share a common bond of having an ancestor who helped contribute to securing the independence of the United States of America. Any woman 18 years or older, regardless of race, religion, or ethnic background, who can prove lineal descent from a patriot of the American Revolution is eligible to join. But the family tree mapping and the access to their records and things are no membership needed. So, you know, they, they have to keep all these records to keep track of this. So I like that they, they don't hoard the information, basically. So, yeah, they've got this Whereas, section here. Go ahead. It's interesting. Yeah. And then so um, if you all think you're related to an American patriot somewhere in your ancestry and you want to serve the DAR, Kind of looks like it's adult Girl Scouts. It that's that's what I'm getting from the website. Although I do like here that they said um, DAR members volunteered 588. No, hold on. Oh my gosh, this number is that over five million? Can I not read numbers? That I is over five million. Yes. So 5.8 million now hours I, this year. I'm assuming that means 2023 because that's a lot in just. You know, the last it's few probably days. Right. It's but still a still. lot though. So, you know, good for you, DAR members. Good for you, Emily Gilmore. <laughs> you're good for you. <laughs> but, I wonder what it was like to make sure that they were on the up and up. Like, did they need permission from like somebody at the DAR to name the organization by name like that all the time? Cause like they must have, because I feel like other. Yeah, I mean, if I you're wonder. Registered nonprofit, like. I wonder actually if um, 
Amy Sherman Palladino or someone else high up in the writers is a member or has a connection to a member because yeah, otherwise I can't see them being free to name a real nonprofit that much. And so they show the DAR members as kind of snooty, but they don't show them in a negative light. I don't think, do, do you think they show them in a negative light ever? No, not the organization. The members are their own individual whatevers, and some of them are really stuck up. But, like, the organization itself, they never speak badly about, so. So they, they walked that fine line, which was good. Um, I did love the one meeting at, or, well, it wasn't a meeting. It was the tea at Emily's house where they were discussing which founding father. They it would was the hottest. <laughs> For, for the little listeners, we'll just say was the hottest. Yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. But um, that was adorable because also um, we would totally have that conversation. Okay, I am not a little bitty. I'm not even, I'm not ever going to be DAR member. But I would have that conversation. I'll just say that. Yeah. I feel like you and I may have to have that conversation at some point. Yeah. I will be grossed out by it <laughs> a little bit. But I would totally have that conversation tongue in cheek. Yeah. I mean, some of them were quite likable, even. Like the ones who befriended Rory were adorable. Mm hmm. Rory I, I really. Coming... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I really liked Nora. She's the one who, in the conversation we're talking about, about the founding fathers, had the. She didn't want Washington or Jefferson. She wanted the stud on the 10 alexander hamilton and then later there's that conversation where she's talking to that portraitist or art historian about that that famous portraitist who did uh george washington portraits and she's like i would love to get him to do my oh gosh i don't remember the name my i'm gonna say george for now even though we're not actually talking about george washington and right. the art historian is like oh martha washington had the same idea and commissioned him to paint her husband and the girl next to Nora is like, George isn't her dog. That's her Springer Spaniel or whatever species breed it was. Like, I liked her so much too. Yes. Also, she liked Alexander Hamilton before it was trendy to like Alex. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we don't know very much about Tweenie Halpern in the DAR, but Tweenie Halpern was friends with Rory and introduced Rory to her daughter to have her help her make college decisions and stuff like that. And that just yeah. seems like a nice involved, like here, ask, ask somebody who's already been in college type of, you know, like they were for how little we see them on screen as these members of this very large organization, they get fleshed out pretty well and the only reason the show has the opportunity to flesh out these side of side of side characters like they're they're so side yeah. characters that they've gone around three sides and come back around right <laughs> is because emily spends so much time doing charity work that of course these are the people who are going to be on screen with her like even the the conversation we're talking about that wasn't part of a meeting they got to talking about it because they were all at Emily's for a meeting. And then afterwards we're like, which founding father was the hottest. So. <laughs> and then the, 
Rory's 21st birthday party where everyone keeps bringing up the DAR and Luke's like, what's the DAR? And they're all just <laughs> chuckling at him. And he's like, man, I'm really killing with that. <laughs> killing with that one tonight. Yeah. So. Kind of like us talking around our friends who don't volunteer for the multiverse fundraiser talking about the MVFR and they're like, what's the MVFR? And we're like, it's a mouthful. Yeah, it really is. It is. It's the multiverse fundraiser, which, hey, speaking of that, if you are just now tuning in, let's remind everybody why we're still here. Listen to this message about comic books for kids. Donate, follow them on social media, get involved. We're going to tell you why. And this is what we do. I, we do this every day on Christmas Day. I was getting emails from hospitals on Christmas day. I was responding. Sickness doesn't take a break. We are there for the hospitals. We are there for the kids. Um, we will do whatever we can do. And I, as I look and talk to you and I, I talk to all the people who are watching this, be a part of this. You, however you want to be a part of this, be a part of it. If you can send us $5, send us $5. Send us five comic books, Funko Pop, a toy, a children's book, send it to us. However you want to be and make a difference, make a difference because we're all in this together. And here's the cool news. Nobody knows who I am and here's why. When we give these materials to the hospitals, the hospitals give it to the kids and the parents. Comic book for kids in my name never shows up. When this stuff goes to the military, when my comic shops send the pallets, my name is never there. And that's great. That's all right. Because it's not, as I said, about us. It's not about promoting who we are. It's about all of us together in the industry making a difference for so many. For so many. And that's what we're about, Kelly. And that's what we do every single day of the year. So if you're just tuning in for the audio, you have this playing in another tab or something to donate to comic books for kids. If it's before February 2nd, just go to Facebook slash, so, you know, facebook.com slash multiverse fun razor. So F-U-N razor. Um, or if it's after February 2nd, you can still give like when our event is over, we still want people to know about the amazing organizations we work with and develop continuing relationships with those organizations. So go to comicbooksforkids.org, you know, and donate there if it's after February 2nd. It's such a great cause. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to continue to work with them. Mark made a joke that he's not going to let me go. <laughs> and I have really been enjoying teaming up together. Um, his passion for just helping people and spreading that joy and bringing a light to people who need that is just fantastic. Like he really is the best person for this cause and he's really built something incredible. Just so it's great that we get to be a part of it. And yeah, it's it's a worthwhile cause. It's something I really feel that bringing people happiness when they're in their darkest moments is so important. That's actually why we started the Multiverse Fundraiser to begin with. It was 2020 and everyone was feeling really separated. And we started it, uh, you know, just as something kind of unofficial to bring our friends together. And it just steamrolled because it 
brought them, you know, I brought our friends Joy. I brought some of the celebrities that agreed to join us way back then, Joy. And it just, and we just decided to add the charity element because we're reaching people. So mm -hmm. it just makes sense. Yeah. And speaking of bringing people joy in a dark time and our um, our charity bringing comic books to kids while they are in the hospital, getting back to Gilmore Girls, uh, one of the things that makes me think that Emily really is genuine about doing things that are good and nice is um, you notice she always gets a phone call when somebody they know in their social circles is in the hospital. And so then there was that episode where... Um, Emily isn't at the house when Lorelai is because um, her DAR members suffered a surfeit of strokes that week is the line um, Richard uses. And he says, so she's been hopping from hospital bed to hospital bed, providing whatever relief she can, you know, and, and you know, it's like they you know, when they invite people to go to events or whatever, they know who's had like a hard year medically or something like that and make sure they invite the people who've had a surgery recently or something like, you know, that yeah. can't all just be about image doctoring. Like you don't want the person who just shows up to show her face at your hospital bed. That's not the person you call. Agreed. And I think a lot of Gilmore Girls is about generations, and I think it's interesting because as much as Lorelai will swear up and down that she's nothing like her mother, Lorelai inherited her mother's, first of all, her mother's a bit, um, inability to do anything halfway, and Lorelai also inherited her mother's heart for charity because if there's something going on in town that is raising money for the community, Lorelai is at the heart of it. Absolutely. She has the rummage sale hosted at her house that takes over her whole house for the Muddy Water Bridge. Um, she gets other people involved, too, and drags them in, not just Luke, but especially Luke, where, I mean, it's like the the costumes for a children's play. And she, again, she doesn't do it halfway. They didn't have the beer. doesn't that she even needed. have it kids in elementary school like no. Rory's in college and she's doing these costumes um the dance-a-thon the infamous dance-a-thon I mean I know that's fun too but like come on mm -hmm. yeah so like the knitting for the bridge <laughs> right and her being the sort of person that people can call when they need something like Lane sees her as a second mother. Luke calls her before they ever get together to bail him out of jail. Um, oh, there are so many other examples. Babette asking, hey, help me move this plant even. Like, <laughs> he's one of the people where she knows what's going on with people and they're not afraid to be like, you know, who could help with this? Probably Lorelai. So going to pet funerals she organized cinnamon's cake the one who called luke and suki to get food there she's sitting down next about the dishes like didn't she also organize a wake for one of michelle's chow puppies yeah that was 
a little different because it was her idea to have a wake and Michelle was like, oh, perfect. That means you're offering to do it when initially she wasn't. Oh, right. But she still takes it really seriously, even though she's going through a divorce and her dad just got out of the hospital. Like she, she yeah, course. she blows up at Michelle a little bit, but she takes it really seriously. She gets live music. She lets people bring the music all for their wake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like because she got that from her mom. Like Lorelai and Emily are two sides of the same coin. Just mm-hmm. like Lorelai and Rory are two sides of the same coin. Like the the stuff passes down generationally. Um one of the Lorelai getting one of the charity episodes that I love is Lorelai getting roped into the PTA and like, yeah, she The Booster Club doesn't <laughs> doesn't like it but she comes it swoops in and saves the day so okay i call bs because two weeks out and they haven't figured out their venue or anything come on that stuff is figured out months in advance but whatever I, yeah but still i mean but whatever you know i'll go with it because so she swoops in, she provides the venue, she makes sure the stage is built, like she, whatever, she comes up with the idea, comes up with everything, and then her and Emily on stage actually having fun, dressed up basically as a mother-daughter pair, is one of one of their cutest moments together, like. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason she's able to rope Emily into that in the first place is she's like, well, you said it's important to contribute to the school and be involved. So you have to go be a fashion model with me for a day. Um, For those who don't remember the exact episode, we're talking about Lorelai joins the booster club and the fundraiser they do is a fashion show. So they were a mother daughter couple in the fashion show. I don't, I don't know how clear we did or didn't make that because once we start talking, (laughs) Yeah, it it just becomes a babbling mess. Mm Kind of like the Gilmore Girls themselves. It's not linear. No, the the scene where um, Logan comes back from London as a surprise for a weekend. And, um, oh gosh, I forget what the big thing that happened with Lorelai was that week. But they, 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 they keep talking about how the town smells like pickles. And then later they're like, oh, no, wait, we both had really big news. And we stayed on the phone talking about pickles this whole time. That's me and Kelly. That's that's why we wanted to do this show. We were just like, you know what? If we are random and weird about it, we know Gilmore Girls fans are going to be okay with that. Because yep. look at the Gilmore Girls. Yep. Yep. And hopefully you all are loving us being random and weird so far. And um, let's... So I think we've mostly exhausted the charity, except for, well, no, let's talk about Rory just killing it with that 1940s theme. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. The, um, the, oh gosh, the USO themed fundraiser for, oh, they were trying to get armor for the guys at Fort Drum, which that is not how the military gets there. Okay. It's a bunch of, a bunch of biddies in Connecticut having 
basically a glorified tea party does not determine whether or not our soldiers are running around in hillbilly armor <laughs> in that well, I don't know. I mean, we have found out that the DR is real, so maybe it does. I mean, it's one thing to give to an organization that provides, like, entertainment or an organization that does, like, theater classes or an organization that provides, like, relief travel when somebody in your family has um, a medical emergency like the Red Cross does. Like, a third-party organization doing a fundraiser for uh, things like that. But things that are supposed to be issued to you, that's that's not where the funding comes from. There's a big difference. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, the characters who were making it sound like that were over-dramatizing. Or maybe or they just didn't the, quite understand. I Probably deliberate. And I think that was the joke. Yeah. Maybe. But... But it, it was funny because, so... First of all, Rory was really great at that, and that that's one avenue they could have explored was Rory being an event planner, because she kicked butt, which, of course she was. Her mom, you know, she grew up with her mom doing all sorts of weddings and events, so of course she knew how to do that. But um, the fact that Emily was expecting the event to be small and them to have to, like, have dividers, and then Rory came up with a theme that got people interested and made he it like a, a hot ticket. He pulled a Lorelei. That's the, exactly the same thing as Lorelei being like, how about instead of a dinner, we do a fashion show? And her being like, yeah. okay, well, we need a theme. We need something to make it fun and snappy and get attention. Like, it, 100%. Like, themes bring people in the door. They really do. I mean, I literally use that exact theme for my 40th birthday party <laughs> i texted a friend <laughs> of ours who um didn't have my number saved she because she lives in florida she's she's Crayley's friend and i stole her or i i'm sharing her but um i texted her and was like hey you want to come to my 40s theme 1940s birthday party she's like i don't know who this is but i'm in that sounds like <laughs> fun no <laughs> um, yeah yeah granted that's also a testament to how amazing and weird our friends are but like a good theme can get people hooked and get people in the door and that's rory and lorelei both understand that emily doesn't always she does she thinks themes are kitschy so she kind of goes with tried and true but i mean still it's not like it, it wouldn't be an interesting show if all three generations were just the same under a slightly different veneer, you know, like there are some pretty big differences, but like at the heart of it where a lot of their values are shared, even though they don't think they are. And uh, a lot of their skills and talents are shared and learned and honed from each other, especially from the top generation, like the older generations yep. going down, which is normal. Um, which I think makes the, it more interesting because they're they have those similarities, but they have the generational differences, they have the individual differences, so they have that tension because, like, sometimes when you're so alike, you fight, especially mm -hmm. when you're so alike, but you still have those differences. Um, it, 
it's a very good way of building tension and the writers do that very well with the characters. Sorry, go on with what you were going to say. Oh, I was going to say, I think um, one of the only reasons we don't see Rory doing more like direct charity things than we do is because her bearing all the weight of the, the generational expectations. We talked about that a lot in the Rory, where have you been Loka episode, which is about Rory dropping out of Yale um that the expectations on her to be perfect were so heavy that she didn't have as much time to look outward so i think the fact that she does so much charity stuff in stars hollow or worries about getting uppity when she goes away to yale or things like that even though we see her doing less charity work than lorelei and emily it's still an impressive amount in my opinion and i think again that's that's a learned observed trait somewhat from her seeing like oh it feels good and it is important and has good results to stay involved like my grandma and my mom do oh yeah totally agree because rory is carrying the weight of two generations technically three if you count tricks expecting her to succeed academically and not just succeed academically but succeed at an ivy league college and go out in the world and just be a trailblazer. Like, they're like, Rory, you're going to just live out our wildest dreams. You're going to live the life that Lorelai was robbed of when she got pregnant with you, even though it was, you didn't ask to be born, you didn't ask to be conceived, but you're going to live that life that Richard and Emily were robbed of seeing Lorelai live, that Lorelai was robbed of, that you were reminded of on multiple occasions, and that you're going to live that life that Richard knows you can live because he knows you're so smart. And that's what you two bonded on because you're so smart. That's a lot. So yeah, she's, she's basically trying to keep her head above water in the L. So we'll give her a pass on this. We don't always keep Rory passes. We're, we're not very kind to Rory. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not always. Yeah. For this one, even though it looks like she does so much less charity than Lorelai and Emily, I don't think it's, I don't, there are things that happen throughout the series where it seems like Rory's empathy kind of like disappears and she seems really self-centered off and on. But I don't think this is an example of that. I think for here, it's just that one, she's so much younger and two, she's trying to please people closer to her and doesn't have as much time to take care of other people, which is fine because she's a literal child for most of the show. Like... Yeah, absolutely. Even though she has been parentified and told that she has to be the adult her whole life, which is another episode that we will get to. Oh, we've been hinting at it for so long. We're, we need to do it soon. We're building up to it. Yeah. We're building up to it. Um, Yeah. Everyone who's watched even like two episodes of Gilmore Girls, one episode of Gilmore Girls knows this though. So that's why we put it off for so long, I think, because it's so obvious. (laughs) But um, yeah, so we were also going to talk about so one another sign that Emily is so caring is that even when she doesn't like people in her daughter and granddaughter's life, if she knows they're important to them, she will do what she can to support the relationship when she's not trying to tear them apart, that is. Right? Yeah, no. So it's like, 
So we'll start with Rory first because this happens first. Like I feel like she had it took her longer to let go of her control over who her daughter dated, partially because she was expecting Lorelai to do that. So like when Rory dates Jess and Emily's like, I thought you were gonna keep her away from this boy. Like, but oh so, but even starting there, um, Dean would not have ever been Emily's pick for Rory. But she's nice to so Dean she has the taste. whole time. <laughs> she has Sorry. Well, to be fair, Richard's reasons to not like Dean were crap. All right. <laughs> him not liking him because he doesn't have his whole life mapped out and his dad doesn't work in a suit or whatever was. Oh, so ridiculous. How so tall are snobby. you? Why? You want to dance? That... <laughs> no, but he thank was... you for offering. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the best Dean moment in the entire series. It really probably was, actually. Um, okay, go on. But, but Emily, so Emily was nice to him the whole time. And Emily's whole thing is, even when she doesn't like the guy, she did this with both Dean and Jess is she assumed they weren't going to be together forever, which I think is another reason she was nicer to Rory's boyfriends than she was to Luke when she didn't like who Lorelai was with. But she wants Rory to be happy. And so she knows that if she interferes in X, Y, or Z kind of way, that that's going to stress Rory out. That's going to drive a wedge between her and Rory. So she's nice to Jess and makes excuses for him to be late and ignores him having a black eye at that horribly infamous dinner right um mm -hmm. things like that she wants to know who it is because she wants she doesn't want to put that extra stress on rory and i think that is a sign of of caring even for someone who is a control freak about these things and is cold about other things i think the intent there was still for the person to be happy and so like the biggest ever expression of that with Luke. I want to see if Kelly agrees with me on what the same thing is. What do you, what, what, what comes to mind for you when it's like, okay, but she did want Lorelai to be happy once it was clear. She could not get Lorelai to not be with Luke. Buying the house and putting yep. thought into what they needed. So she didn't buy a house that was close to her and Richard. She bought a house that was start that, she tried to find the house in Stars Hollow. And when she couldn't find a house exactly in Stars Hollow, she talked to Taylor about annexing it into Stars Hollow and made sure that Luke would have his space because it's important for a man to have his space. Like she was supporting the marriage in the biggest way imaginable. It was incredible. Right. And it also, wasn't just about how expensive of a gift it was or how extravagant it was to show off for herself. Like, saying things like, well, it's important for a man to have his own space and Luke doesn't have that at your house comes down to she wants them to be happy when they're at home, which is where married people spend most of their time together for most couples. Like she wanted them to have a fulfilling home life. I mean, they, they picked a property that had a fishing hole on it. The fact that she knows that Luke likes to fish. Like... Runner up, yelling. though. Oh, go ahead. 
oh, her knowing and remembering that Lorelai was serious about wanting horses when she's like, you've always wanted horses. So we made sure to get you a place that had a little bit of land. Like, so sweet. That's it was deep. It is love. But I think I know what Kelly's, I know what Kelly's second example is. And I agree with it. Go ahead and tell. Because I just messaged you about it because I just watched that book. Runner up is the day that Lorelai caught them, caught Emily and Richard walking around town. And so Emily ducked out and went to Luke's diner and encountered a child that she thought was Luke's daughter and played go fish with this child for like two hours trying to bond with Luke's daughter. That, okay. And then she was like, just so offended that no one told her that this wasn't Luke's daughter. <laughs> and like, she was rude to the poor child, but. Um, her but yelling at Caesar, thing. you could have told me that wasn't Luke's daughter when Caesar's already having a bad day. Like, But the fact that she <sighs> sat and played a card game that is very boring for adults, let's be real. For any adult. And, and let her like, win? Like. To try to bond with Luke's daughter. Who, she's not super jazzed about. Like. The previous episode. She was worried that Luke's daughter appearing. Not that the daughter herself. But that like Luke's daughter's mom. Was like trying to get money or whatever. Which okay. that Also that's a valid concern. Because. Lorelai is from a rich family. Luke owns his diner. That's a, that's a more valid concern than Lorelai. Lorelai was acting like they were crazy. That's not crazy. Okay. Like, that's kind of a valid concern. But anyway, that's another. But anyways, the fact that she was spending, she spent two hours trying to bond with Luke's daughter. Right. Like, that's huge. She cares so hard. She just doesn't know how to share, doesn't know how to show it all the time. She is not tactful. It reminds me a lot of, if you've ever watched the, like, sort of rom-com girly revenge movie, The Other Woman, there's a character named Carly who is a lawyer and she's very brusque and direct and sometimes she'll do something that seems mean on its face to try to help one of her female friends. And she goes on a date after something has backfired on her really hard and says, you know, I just care so much that it comes out so harsh like that reminds me of emily a lot <laughs> you know what that's that's fair and you know i've watched that movie because you made me watch that movie i made you watch that movie it's, like, it's got like adult themes but if you're, if you're a grown adult that's it's a good movie okay lots of yeah, themes it, it, of like adult friendships mattering it's good it's r-rated but yeah there was a movie that i wanted clearly to watch that she was like nope I've watched too many movies you've recommended. It's your turn. And uh -huh. I did not regret it. It was a, it's a very good movie, but it's, it, it definitely earns its heart rating. Yeah. So, I mean, be advised there, but. Yeah. But yeah, you know what? I think that's a good comparison. And honestly, sometimes I come out like Emily where I get frustrated with people who are not practicing self-care and I just get callous. Because I'm like, you stupid moron, smack, take care of yourself. Okay, I'm not quite that bad, 
but there are times when I, I think we all have a little bit of Emily Gilmore in us. Yeah. There are yeah, two there wolves. Are... <laughs> <laughs> there are two wolves inside now. of you. One is Emily Gilmore. The other one is probably Luke Danes. <laughs> I feel like Luke is actually more similar to Emily and how he expresses how he cares for people. He's not very nice either. Is anyone in the show nice in how they express how they care for people? I mean, Rory goes through severe bouts of people pleasing where she's too nice, but anyone else? <laughs> not Paris. <laughs> not Paris. Uh... <laughs> Wow, are all the characters in the show just straight up jerks about how they love people? Yeah. You know, the ones who love the hardest are, and that's, there's a lot of arguments about why, about like how some people who love really hard, about how your friends who are the, who seem the meanest to you in the moment might care about you the most and stuff like that. And I think Amy Sherman Palladino must ascribe to that that philosophy that the people who care about you the most sound the meanest because like Christopher never sounds mean, never outright. Right. Mm -hmm. Like everything he says That's is pretty true. nice, but he's not there. He doesn't put in the work. Honestly, how many opportunities care. does he have to verbally be a jerk right in your face? Right. And I'm, th that's a topic for a whole nother episode, how much Christopher does or doesn't care about people. But I would definitely say also, it's, it's a loving heart. We're adding yeah. these. <laughs> We're just coming up with topics for episodes. Also, if you <laughs> have an idea for a topic. Oh, yeah. Comment and let us know. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think it's pretty fair to say that if you're thinking about who loves the hardest and does the most for other people, Christopher does not make the top of the list. I don't think that's a controversial take. <laughs> I feel like he's the bottom of the list. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he's like, dead less. Maybe things are a little different after Gigi comes along. Maybe. A little bit. A little bit. But yeah, not by much. Not by much. So yeah, that's an interesting realization we had while we were talking about <laughs> something completely unrelated. This is what happens. <laughs> This, this is, is what happens. absolutely what happens. So if, if you're new to the Gilmore Sisters rant podcast because you're just here because of the multiverse fundraiser, this is what it's like. This is what we're about. Most episodes are more like 20 minutes. This is a special episode. But if you think you can handle us for 20 minutes, once a week, most weeks, I mean, we, we have why we don't allow ourselves to talk for an hour. <laughs> but you know what? I have not once talked about why someone is secretly a fairy or a vampire or i had or thoughts earlier but they weren't they weren't jiving into the episode very well because the whole thing about the fae is that they're very into like contracts and things like that and so i think i was like maybe an out charity is an outlet for emily because when you do charity through an organization you're not trading anything of value directly with another party and so that there's less to keep track of and it's a little more relaxing that way to do it all through the dar in the name of the dar 
But th- no, that makes so much sense because think about like anytime she and Richard sit down at the table to make deals with Lorelai or Rory where they lay out all the terms and what does or doesn't have value seems kind of weird sometimes. Like I trade you monetary value for performing a ritual every so often. Like <laughs> this is like I am in awe of you right now. This is even more reason that the Gilmores are fae. Like <laughs> the Gilmores yeah. are fae. We got there in the end. We did every yeah. episode almost. Almost every episode comes back to some sort of fae vampire magical element of Gilmore Girls and the cast Targeting of Gilmore Girls. At the table. The Gilmores are don't eat the over food. food. There's always food. Rory says, Hey, I need to talk to you and grandma about something. And Emily goes, Rory's coming over to ask us something. I'll have an English tea service prepared. Fairies love tea. The Gilmores are fae. Stars Hollow. I mean, if Stars Hollow is not the most like fairy land name you have ever heard, I don't know what. I don't know what. Rory trying to coax a fairy out of a mushroom fairy ring with a peanut butter sandwich when she was little. I mean, the, the clues were there, y'all. The clues yeah. were there. Like, <laughs> you all need to go back and rewatch Gilmore Girls if you're not currently rewatching it and start taking notes. I mean, some people that are listening right now are certainly currently rewatching because there's that meme that's like the scary thing about Gilmore Girls fans is they don't watch, they don't ask, have you watched Gilmore Girls? They ask, do you watch Gilmore Girls? Which implies that they never truly stop. And I'm like, I literally finish the last episode, cry for a minute, and then the next day I start the whole show over. Oh, yeah. I'm currently on season six of my rewatch cycle which is never the good part of the rewatch cycle to be in it's it's just not like pour one out for me y'all pour one out (laughs) for me season six is not great season seven is worse so except lucy and olivia are coming Mm. i think season seven redeems a lot of things about season six we don't have enough time to talk about this we're we're at 53 54 minutes (laughs) All right. Well, then, in that case, I will say if Emily Gilmore were a real person, which she totally is, she's, well, if she were a real fae and were out there, she would donate to our charity because she may not like comic books, but she has a heart for children in the hospital. So you should channel your inner Emily Gilmore and donate to comic books for kids because it's a really, really good cause. It's just literally the biggest comic book based, pop culture based charity in the world now because they have expanded from all of the 50 United States into Canada, into the UK. And they also have comic books for troops. So just really checking all those bars or checking all those boxes. I don't know. This is why we don't let Kelly talk for an hour. <laughs> Which you're about to see me talk for way more than an hour this weekend. We have got so many amazing things coming up this weekend. 
please stay tuned. We just have the best weekend. So many comic book creators, so many celebrities, so many fun panels. Uh, Crayley, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Or is that like choosing a favorite child? It's like choosing a favorite child. I will say that it, it, with love, Kelly is making me after this year give up my indie authors panel because I do too many panels every year that involve having multiple people to coordinate with and someone else will be taking over our I mean. indie authors panel in the future. She's so mean. She just cares about me overexerting myself. How dare you, Kelly? So I'm this is I'm me loving hard. <laughs> I am going to make the most of that panel this year for sure. And I've got I've never not had great guests on the indie authors panel, but I've got great guests. So yes, you do. What about you, Kelly? Oh my gosh. Uh yeah, it's like choosing a favorite child. Um I'm looking forward to my interviews for sure. I get to interview Mike Mayhack with you. And we love Mike Mayhack so much. His So I found him through his Supergirl and Batgirl fan comics, which are just joyful. If you have not seen them, they're delightful. But he also is an indie comic creator, and he's been doing some work for Marvel. And just his comics are fantastic. His art is fabulous. So I'm excited about that. I get to interview Shannon Farnan again, and she is literally the original person to play Wonder Woman in any format. And she is also a dear friend of mine. I adore her. I, I'm a huge fan of hers. I just adore her. And I get to ride shotgun on and, uh, with my friend Anthony as he interviews my dear friend, Marthias Wade, who is another super talented indie comic creator. Plus, I have a bunch of fun panels. Um, yeah, I'm going to be busy. You're going to get sick of this face. I think that's impossible, but that's just me. I I'm biased. That'd be right. Yep. Uh, for those of you who may be catching this in the regular Gilmore Sisters rant podcast rotation, um, I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, you're not going to get the the spiel about our, our buy me a coffee stuff, whatever. We're going to run the comic books for kids thing again. Let me tell you again, even if the event is over, because we're running this event from January 25th, the, to the 28th and then the donation window is open until february 2nd to be associated with this fundraiser even if you're just listening for like the gilmore sister stuff and it's out of that time window we still really encourage you to go to comicbookforkids.org and donate there yep um so yeah give it one more listen and otherwise have a great night bye bye